Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Y'all are good. You can sit if you can. I remember, I remember during the Brownsville revival, if you, if you were around or, you know, anything during that time in, in the 90s and in Pensacola, Florida, God sovereignly poured out, was pouring out his spirit in this church in Pensacola, Florida. It was a supernatural move and they, people were coming from all over. They had millions of people come to the revival services and they had, they had a special section reserved for the news and the media because the news and the media were coming to find out why. Because they heard, I feel really loud, they heard, they heard the, the reports of all that was taking place. They heard the reports of, of the signs and the wonders and the miracles. I remember uh, on one of the news interviews, John Kilpatrick was asked, so we hear that demons get cast out in your services. <laughs> he, was, he said that at a, he was telling this at a pastor's conference. And if, you know, as a pastor, when, when someone in the secular world in the news media corners you and says, so I hear demons are getting cast out at your church, usually that equates to everybody's going to think I'm one of those fanatical churches, and they're going to think we're one of those weird groups of people that we have demons manifesting in our services. How in the world do you answer those kind of questions? And he said he stood there for a moment and, and thought about his answer, and his answer was, yeah, we're one of those churches that cast out demons. Yeah, we're one of those people that believe in healing of the sick. Yeah, you should come on out. Of course, people were coming in, by the droves. There, there, there is a sound, and this isn't my message today, but I'm just, I'm hanging out here because obviously the, God's saying something. There, there is a sound, and I, I have felt it's so funny uh, that God would say what he said this morning and interrupt the service to say it. Because since we've been here, matter of fact, one of the, one of the first messages that I, I preached and within the first month of us being here, if you remember, I talked about the sound of heaven. We talked extensively in that message about the sound of heaven, and when that sound is released, the multitudes come. Yep. But it takes each of us, now I'm, just, I, I, I'm being your pastor this morning, and I'm teaching you based on, the, on what God has said this morning in service. This is New Testament Church. Welcome to Pentecostal Church, where we take what God says and, and, and take a look at what the Bible says about it. You all still with me this morning? So, so the, there is a sound that is released from each of us, every single one of us. And, it, it, you, you know, there's a lot of ways to say it. Last week or the week before I said ministry is in your hand. There's a lot of, there's a lot of ways to say it. But the, the point of the matter is that God has released in your life an anointing and, and an ability to release the sound of heaven in a unique way that only you can. I, I, can't, I can't say it like you say it. You can't say it like I say it. You can't lay hands on people like I, you, you know, it, you can't prophesy like I will. All of us have the, the filter uh, of, of our own experience and what God's done in our life, so it's going to look a little bit different, but it's God manifesting himself through our lives. You go through the, the Gospels, I, and again, I'm just going to teach for a moment. I hope that's all right with you, uh, and even if it's not, I'm going to do it anyway. Um, but if you go through, if you go through the, the gospel writers, each of them had their own, uh, they were inspired by the Holy Spirit, they wrote the words of the Holy Spirit, but each of them had their own experience with Jesus that they wrote about. If you go through each of the gospels, there's very, very, a lot of similarities and they all line up, but each of them had a different perspective on what was happening. And is that the same is true of the New Testament church of us, that each of us have our own variation or perspective, but it all lines up under the word of God, all under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So you, there is a sound, there is a, there is a, uh, Ministry. There is a there's a tangible ministry that you and I need to carry. That you and I need to carry, and you may be sitting here this morning and say, "Well, I'm not qualified. I, you know, I, I don't feel skilled. I don't feel talented. I, you know, I, nobody's ever taught me." Hey, listen. 
you're in a great place. <laughs> if you feel that way, then you're in good company. Because I feel the same way most of the time. <laughs> I don't feel qualified and I don't feel able enough. And I don't have the right words all the time. That's okay. Because it's the Holy Spirit. Jesus, uh, the Holy Spirit said, don't. Uh, Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, I, I am so wound up this morning. I'm telling you. I feel like I could take off running. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit, don't worry about what you will say in that moment. Don't worry about uh, Don't worry about when you're called before the kings and the kings and when you're questioned, all these things, because the Holy Spirit will give you the words you ought to say. So don't worry about those moments. Just be faithful. Just open up your mouth. Just open up your mouth. Well, what if they don't get healed? It's not your reputation. It's his. <laughs> I, think God can, I think God can withstand his own reputation. I think, his, I think he can handle it. I think if you step out in faith and trust God, lay hands on somebody that's sick, and, and, and you begin to minister, I think God will, might actually just show up and do something that surprises you. I remember when, when, I first, when God first called me into ministry, I was 14 years old, and I remember, I remember, well, when I first got called, I was eight, but when I really got it, I was 14. And um, when I really understood what was happening, I was 14 years old, and I was leading a uh, small group, basically, for our church, for our youth. Some of you have heard me tell this story. I was leading a group, and I remember being in the group, and all I knew was, you know, and, and we didn't have evangelists come through and pray for people. It was rare. Every once in a while, there might be somebody fall on the floor. Things might happen. But I remember God saying, in this, in this small group, lay hands on them. Now, we had five or six people, and so, okay, when we lay hands on them. So there was this girl. She was new to our church, and I had my hands like this. I wasn't touching her. She was about a foot in front of me, and I was like this. And the next, you know, have you ever had that moment like you felt like someone was watching you or looking at you really weird or staring at you? It was kind of one of those moments, but the opposite. It was like they were there, and then they weren't there feeling like some, they had left. So I, you know, kind of did one of those things, opened up one of my eyes, and they were on the floor. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. That was unusual for me, you know? And then, and going to, and then she later got off the floor, and she said, I felt it was like a river coming out of your hands. And I, you know, I don't, you're like 14. I don't know anything about rivers coming out of my hands. I thought, you know, rivers flowed. That was the Mississippi. And then, you know, being in a, in a, in a uh, um, youth rally, and, and the evangelist had preached his message. He had left the stage, went to the, all the, all the youth were around the front worshiping, and the, he had went to the back to sell his product. And uh, we're all around the front worshiping. And I remember God speaking to me. He said, I want you to go put your hands on the back of that. And that's all, that's all I knew. The Holy Spirit saying to me, I knew the Holy Spirit's voice, go put your hand on the back and pray for them. So this, this person was standing there like this. I went up, put my hands on their back, and they fell in my arms. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. And then the Holy Spirit said, go do that, go for this person. Point, literally pointed them out. So I went over to the same thing. They fell out. Okay, God, this is okay. Next person. This time, this person was in the middle of a crowd of people. Like, he had a bunch of people praying for him. He must have been in a really bad shape, you know? Haha, <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke. So, so he's got this group of people around him, and I, I just... Somehow or another, squeezed my way in, put my hand on him, and he falls. And then I had youth pastors coming and asked me to come pray for their people all over the building. So I, they just started pulling me in all sorts of directions to pray for their people. That, just step out. Just listen to the Holy Spirit. He'll take care of the rest. I don't know. I still don't always understand it. <laughs> I still, I, but it's not my job to figure out the Holy Spirit in His ministry. It's it's not my job to figure out what He's doing. Well, that you don't understand. That person got up and they cursed me out when they got off the floor. Yeah, but had they been themselves, you know, probably five minutes before that point of them getting off the floor, they probably would have really cursed you out, but God knocked them on the floor, dealt with them, and so it's a little bit, you know, they're changing. It's a gradual process. That, that, that one moment on the floor may have worked something out that they, you know, needed worked out in their life. So don't judge the work of the Holy Spirit. Just let Him use you. Let Him touch people and leave the fruit and all the issues to Him. I, I don't have enough time. Listen, I don't have enough time to go through and judge what God's doing on the floor or what God's doing in ministry. I don't have enough time. That's not, I need Jesus to change me. If I spend all my time figuring out what he's doing in everybody else, I'm not being changed. I'm just preaching to somebody this morning. If you spend all of your time, 
examining everybody on the stage, what's on the stage, what's not on the stage, or who's out there, who's not here, and all. You're missing it. You missed it. There's a supernatural sound of heaven that needs to be released out of your life. Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. I'm going to preach before I get myself in trouble here. Isaiah 55. I want to take a look at this morning launching out into the deep things of God. I want you, you know, again, ties right into what God's already saying this morning. I want you to launch out in the deeper things of God. There is more for you and I than what we've already experienced. If, if, if what I've experienced or what you've experienced is all there is to God, we're in a world of hurt. God, therefore, is not, he's not... Uh, eternal. He's not omnipotent. He's not, uh, not omnipresent. He's not, he's not omniscient. If, ev- if everything that there is to God we've experienced, then we have thus limited the very character and nature and glory of God. But because He is eternal and because He is all-powerful and because He is all-knowing, there is an eternal, all-knowing, unending, vast supply of His presence, His power, His goodness that you and I can experience. In Isaiah 55, in verse 12, I love this passage of Scripture. For you shall go out with joy, and you shall be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. This, this word, um, go out or to to go out or to be led out is the similar word in the Greek where Jesus said, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. In other words, God is saying, you and I need to launch out into the deep things of God. Go out, be led out, be led out in peace, go out with joy. The, you know, sometimes when God says, I want you to go out into the deeper things, I want you to get out of your comfort zone, I want you to leave what you're familiar with, and I want you to begin to put your foot, one foot in front of the other, and walk in the supernatural ministry that I've called you to, begin to release, as we're talking about this morning, release the sound of heaven in your life. That's a little unnerving, it's a little uncomfortable, it's, a, it, it's challenging. It's challenging when God says, okay, Jen, you're going to be on staff, and instead of, instead of just being the, the gopher for, for Pastor Grace, you're going to now be on staff, and you're going to have your own responsibilities and things that you've got to take of. You have the resource. To, it's, is it not challenging? And then, then guess what happens? When you begin to take that step of faith, and you step out, and you begin to take care of your little bubble that God's given you to take care of, and you begin to be faithful with that, then guess what happens? God begins to poke around in those areas of your life that are hindering, hindering you from stepping into greater things. And so he starts to say, hey, and I'm just picking on Jen. This may not necessarily be her issue. It's just Jen's day to get picked on. But hey, Jen, if you want to go deeper in the things of God, we got to work on that attitude, girlfriend. You cannot go deeper if you're complaining all the time. And I'm not saying she is. She's just getting picked on. Uh, but the same is true of our lives, that when God begins to call us out deeper, if you're a complainer, guess where he's going after? He's going after your complaining attitude. Say, if you want to step in deeper, if you want to come a little closer, that attitude that stinks has got to go. You've got to begin to take on the nature and the attitude of Christ. And so it gets a little uncomfortable, but Isaiah prophesies, you'll go out with joy and be led forth in peace. So we have the joy of the Lord and we have the peace of God leading us out into the deeper things. So as we step out, And we trust God to release this sound out of our lives as we step out and we begin to wade out into the deep things of God and the waters of heaven. We realize that the joy of the Lord is leading us and the peace of God is leading us. I don't don't want to do anything if I don't have the joy of the Lord in it or the peace of God in it. If I can't be joyful in it and I can't have the peace of God in it, then I don't want to do it. Christians spend too much time tormenting themselves, doing things without joy, without the peace. You're doing it out of obligation and not out of joy and peace. If Christianity for you is obligation, you've missed, you've missed it. 
to a place of joy and peace. If what you're doing in, in serving in ministry feels like, well, the pastor asked me to do this. Don't do it just because I asked you to do it or you think you're going to do me a favor by doing it. You need to do where the, where the Holy Spirit, you've got to operate in the place where the Holy Spirit is producing joy and peace in your life. Now, I understand that may be uncomfortable. Maybe, maybe you've been in the situation uh, like this. When God said we were moving here, we had joy and peace about it, but we were a little uncomfortable about it. We're going from, you know, 70-degree weather, beautiful, you know, all that great stuff to, what? This? 30 below? What's that? I didn't think the thermometer went below zero. <laughs> How do you get 30 below? So, you know, there are times where God will say, I want you to do something, and it's uncomfortable, but in the middle of it, you still have joy and peace. It's uncomfortable to your flesh, but your spirit man is like, yes, this is awesome. You need to do this. This is great. Maybe you've never experienced that. Maybe it's time to launch out into the deep waters. I want to take a look at Naaman. If you go to 2 Kings with me, Naaman is a great example of this. 2 Kings chapter 5. Naaman, Naaman had to launch out literally, but he's a great indicator of spiritual things as well. In 2 Kings chapter 5, starting in verse 1, it says, Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor. Love that. He was a mighty man of valor, but a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And then she said to her mistress, if only my master were the prophet, uh, were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised, when this letter comes to you, that I have sent Naaman, my servant, to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. And it happened, verse 7 of Second Kings 5, and it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said, Am I, am I God? to kill and make alive, that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy. Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. So it was that when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know there is a prophet in Israel. Then Naaman went with his horse's chariot and stood at the door of Elisha's house, and Elisha sent a messenger, saying, Go and wash the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious. He went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not Abna and far, far, far the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, Wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean." He returned to the man of God, and he and all his aides, and he came and stood before him and said, Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. And he said, verse 16, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. So Naaman said, That if not, please let your servant be given two mule loads of earth, for your servant will no longer offer either burnt offering or sacrifice to other gods, but to the Lord. Yet in this thing, may the Lord pardon your servant when my master goes into the temple of Rimmon to worship and he leans on my hand and I bow down the temple of Rimmon. When I bow down the temple of Rimmon, may the Lord please pardon your servant in this thing. And he said to him, go in peace. So he departed from him a short distance. A couple things I want to take a look at from Naaman's life here. Naaman's, first off, Naaman's success brought success to the nation. Had Naaman, Naaman, the Bible says, was a man of valor. He had been a, a valiant warrior in Syria. But there's one problem. 
He had leprosy. There wasn't, there wasn't a garment that could clothe or cover his leprosy good enough. You know, each of us may, may be valiant in our own respect. God's called us to launch out, to step out, and do great things for him. But all of us have a leprosy issue. All of us have a leprosy issue. All of us have a sin issue that God has to address in our lives. And it's not just a, a, a one-time cleansing. Naaman had to go down seven times before the thing got away. And I, I want to say to you, yes, you, you can be born again and you can know the, the life-changing power of Christ. But there's always going to be areas of your life. There's always going to be those little leprous areas where God's going to be pulling back the garments and saying, hey, what about this area? We need to deal with this. We need to, you need to go dip another time. Let's get him my presence one more time. You're never, if you're waiting, if you're waiting for the day where your leprosy's completely gone or the issue's completely gone or you're perfect, it ain't coming in this life. If you're, if you're looking for the day where your husband's going to be perfect or your wife's going to be perfect or the family situation, it's not coming. Get in the presence of God. Go dip in the river Jordan and let Jesus begin to wash away all of those things. Jesus is the only way in his presence. It's the only way you can be made clean. Naaman's success brought salvation for the nation. Uh, Naaman said here at the end, he was like, please, you know, uh, forgive me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to worship the Lord. Forgive me when I have to go in with my master, but I am worshiping the Lord. He set an example uh, for the nation. As the, as the warrior, he was setting an example for the nation that there is only one God, and I'm worshiping him. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, Therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God. God is building and forming and fashioning a dwelling place for his presence in our church and in our lives. What we do affects the region around us. What we do or we don't do affects those around us. If we are going to see the Great Lakes region impacted for the glory of God, we must be a house or a dwelling place for His glory. Is your apathy hindering the salvation of a nation? Is your apathy hindering what God wants to do in this area? Esther found herself in those shoes. I can't do it. Mordecai, I can't do this. I can't, I, you know, if I go in before the king, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my head cut off. This isn't going to go too well for me. What was Mordecai's answer? Who knows that you haven't come to the kingdom for such a time as this. If you don't step up, God's going to raise up a deliverer. God always, listen, God always has a people. God always has a remnant. He's always going to move and he's always going to, but, but it's your choice. Are you going to be involved with what he's doing? Are you going to yield and be a participator? Or is your apathy going to hinder what God's doing in this region and in your life? Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6 was it until that King Uzziah died that Isaiah saw the glory of the Lord? When the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. The train, what, what Uzziah in your life is hindering you from seeing the glory of the Lord? I tell you, this morning as we were singing that song, a dance, a dance with me, whatever the song, I don't even know what the song was. <laughs> I dance. It didn't matter. It could have been happy birthday for me at that point. It didn't matter because the glory of the Lord was filling the temple and, and, and the glory of God can be so real and so vibrant and you can see just like, just like Paul and Saul on the road to Silas, Saul or Saul becoming Paul on the road to Damascus. Woo! <laughs> Do you, you know, here's Saul on the road. The Bible says in Acts chapter 9. <laughs> oh, Saul was, Saul in Acts chapter 9 was still breathing threats. Still breathing threats. Murderous threats. He's still out to kill. And God shows up. And the Bible says in Acts 9 that all of his servants, all the people were with him, heard the voice but saw nothing. Saul, though, saw something. 
<laughs> his natural eyes were blinded, but oh, he, he saw the glory of the Lord in that moment. He saw the light that came down and showed around him. And his, who is it, Lord? <laughs> he, he's asking, who is, who is this? But knew, knew who it was, even as he asked because of the glory that was said. You can miss, miss out on the glory because of the king whose eyes. You can miss out on the, on the glory of the Lord because of, uh, of those things in your life that God's trying to deal with that you don't let die. Right. And of course, Peter, another great example. Peter said, Lord, we've left all to follow you. Lord, we've given up everything to follow you. Where are we going to go if this doesn't work? Have you, have you laid down everything? See, it's funny because Peter made that statement, but yet Peter goes back fishing. When Jesus gets crucified, Lord, we've left all. Have you really left all? Are you, have you really forsaken all? Have you really given it up? Have you really laid down the issues? Have you, really, have you really laid down the things that are holding you back from launching out in the deep things of God? Or are you, are you still holding on to something that's just comfortable? Well, if it doesn't work, I can always revert back to fishing. This thing with Jesus doesn't always... If, if, if it doesn't work out with Jesus, then I can always go back to this. If it, if it doesn't work out launching out into the deep things of God, if Pastor Zach's missed it somehow and, and what he's talking about really doesn't work, I can always go back and do this. We can always go and be like the whatever church down the road that's dry and dead and whatever. Or I can always have plan B if this one doesn't work. Instead of saying, God, I, I don't want a plan B. I don't, I, don't need, I don't need another King Uzziah in my life. I just want to see your glory. I just want to see your glory. Secondly, in my weakness, Christ is made strong. Naaman was a leper, but God used the imperfection to bring glory to himself. God will use the imperfection. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected for my power, my power, my dunamis power, that word dunamis, my power, my Holy Spirit power is made perfect in your weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. I, I am incapable, I am inferior in my own abilities, but God be glorified in my life. God be glorified in my weakness. I will step out, I will launch out and see the glory of God in my life. In James chapter 1, James chapter 1 and verse, verses 2, starting verse 2 says, Consider it all joy. Love this. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect work, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That word, consider it, in the Greek is the word, command yourself. Consider it, command yourself to be in a place of joy. Command yourself. Knowing that trials, temptations, testings will perfect. The word perfect is to go through, to be made complete, or to be tested with a desired outcome. That means that when you face testings and trials in your life, opportunities for perfection in your life, God sees the end result. God sees the light at the end of the tunnel. All you and I may see is the heartache and the fear and the anxiety and all of the things. And all the while, God's saying, will you just launch out into my presence? Will you just step out into the, will you just come out into the Jordan with me? Will you just... Just go for another dip in the river with me. Just step out a little bit more. Just come out a little bit deeper. But God, command yourself to be in a place of joy. Command yourself that you'll go out with joy. You'll be led forth in peace. I'm going to get out in the middle of the river, just like Jesus said, to let out from the shore and put out your nets in the deep water. I'm launching out into the river of God because I have the joy of God. I have the peace of God. I'm not going to allow the temptation, the trial, the circumstance, the persecution to hold me back. Allow the joy of the Lord to be your strength. Don't put your hope and your trust in the, you know, a lot of times we, and this is true, we do this, we put our hope and our trust in fear or anxiety or depression or discouragement more than we do in the joy and the peace of the Lord and, and trusting in Him. 
We put more, we, we put more stock in our own fear and our own discouragement and our own anxiety than what we do in God. Well, you don't know what they've done. They've done this. They've said this. They've hurt me. They blah, 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 on and on and on. And we put more stock in our hurt than God's ability to heal our life. I'm being led forth in joy. I am commanding myself to be in a place of joy. Thirdly, I can find confidence in Christ's love. If in 2 Kings, it says that Naaman, in verse 2, it says, And the Syrians had gone out on raids and brought back, cap- brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. This young slave girl became the girl that told Naaman's, you know, whatever, wife, mistress, hey, you need to tell Naaman he needs to go to Israel. You realize that God orchestrates every detail of your life. Here's this slave girl who got arrested in the middle of a Syrian raid. She's in a foreign country. She's been serving faithfully. She's been doing what she knows to do to be faithful with where God has her. And in the middle of the circumstance, God uses, we don't know who this girl is. She's, there's no name. We just know that she was a slave girl. And in the right moment, at the right time, she was able to speak up on, on God's behalf and say, but there's a prophet in Israel. You may be looking at your situation and thinking, God, I don't know how, I don't know when, but there's somebody that God's placed in your life that, that will come alongside of you and encourage you. You might be that slave girl for somebody else. You may think that, that God, I, I don't know how you're going to fix their situation. God, I don't, I don't understand, but I know that you can fix it. I know that if, if, you, if they will just yield to you, you will do something supernatural in their life. And as you just begin to sow words of hope, you begin to speak words of hope in their life, you'll be like that little slave girl speaking into Naaman's life. And Naaman goes. Naaman goes to Israel on account of her testimony. Naaman leaves and he begins to seek out healing as a result of this slave girl. Fourthly, launching out requires me to go deeper. You can't launch out in the deep things of God and into the more of God without going deeper in his presence. Those who linger along the shoreline in Christianity also find themselves with little depth of Christ-likeness. All you want to do, all you want to do in Christianity is hang out on the shore. Oh, I'm going to be a good Christian. And this, you know, we're launching out into the deeper presence of God, getting out further into his presence, experiencing him more. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I'll just stay here where it's comfortable on the shore. I'll watch everybody else go out. And those are the ones who have little depth in their relationship with God, little depth in their Christianity. That you find them eventually doing one of these. They're having way too much fun. They're out there in the river. Do you look at them? They're foolish. I wish somebody would clean up my bank. It's getting really messy up here. All this water. And you can, you can sit, you know, they don't, they don't have all the trees right. They need better trees along the shoreline here. And they begin to sit in judgment of everything that's going on in the presence of God Instead of enjoying the presence of God, they begin to sit and judge the trappings in the outward and miss what God's doing on the inside. Miss the transformed life. Miss the transformed heart. Miss the person that was once a drug addict, broken and in depression, set free and liberated. Miss the person that was in financial bondage that God liberated and canceled their debt and set them free. Missed. Missed all of it. Why? Because they're too busy sitting on the shoreline watching everybody else enjoy the presence of the Lord. You've got to launch out into his presence. Those who dare to launch out into the tides of great hauls of fish, walking with Christ on the water, or experiencing peace after the storm, must also dive deep into the depths of his boundless ocean where the character of Christ is formed. It's in the the middle of the ocean. It's in the middle of the ocean. It's in the middle of of the Sea of Galilee where the storm began to rise up and the the, the disciples thought they were going to sink. The disciples thought they were going under and they're all fearful and worried. Jesus, don't you care we're going to sink? It's in those moments where you've labored all night trying to catch the fish and have got nothing and Jesus says, cast your net on the other side of the boat. It's really simple. Just throw it the other side. But Jesus... We've been fishing all night, but at your word. It's in those moments out in the middle of the sea that you begin to see the provision of God in your life. It's in those moments that the character of God is developed in your heart. It's in those moments that you can launch out deeper into his presence. 
I want to take a look at Naaman's response here. And in 2 Kings, he responds with some things that are very interesting. might find yourself in some of these things. First off, in, in verse 11, it says, Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not these other rivers in Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. Some interesting things about Naaman's response. First off, when Naaman says, he'll surely come out to me, obviously Naaman was reflecting his own insecurities caused by weakness from leprosy, coupled with his position, demanded that he wanted public recognition. See, he had an issue. He had insecurities about his leprosy. He was a valiant warrior, and he wanted the public recognition. I want the man of God to come face to face with me. He failed to recognize his position and title meant nothing to Elisha, and neither were necessary for his healing. God reveals himself to you for the sole purpose of intimacy with him. It's not about your title, your position. It's not about, it's not about that you're the valiant warrior or you're anything special. Each of us have our own insecurities and own things that God has to work out in our lives. But it requires us to be willing to dip in the river. Secondly, he says, I wanted him to come out to me and call on the name of the Lord his God. Naaman indicates here that he had a desired outcome based on someone else's relationship with God. It wasn't personal for Naaman. He wanted a miracle, but he did not want the relationship. What about you? I, God, I want you to move in my life. I want you to, I want you to do this in my life. I want you, okay, but I'm going to, at Pastor Zach, you can let him be the one that does it, or let him be the one that says it, and I'll do it then. I'll follow him. No, launch out in the deep. Go out into the river yourself. Step out in the river. I'll join you in the river, <laughs> but just dip in the river yourself. Launch out. I can't get you in the river for you. What's the old saying? You can bring to the horse the water. You can't make the water or the horse the water drink. You can't can't make the horse drink. <laughs> Stubborn water, wish you would drink. <laughs> Can't make the horse drink. All I could do is I could tell you about the river. I could tell you about the presence of God. I've tasted of his goodness. I've seen and tasted of his glory. I've experienced, and I could tell you all about it. I can paint a picture for you. I can, I can uh, make room for the glory and service, but it takes you stepping in. It takes you receiving. It takes you saying, okay, uh, it's a little different. Elisha, I'm not so sure about the dipping in the river, but I'll try it anyway. Get out there and dip and dip and dip and take another dip and dip and dip and go under again until God heals you of your leprosy. Don't stop. Well, I went out and I tried this river thing. I've tried the Holy Spirit before and just didn't work. And, you know, keep dipping. (laughs) Keep drinking. You don't just go to your house one time a day and drink a glass of water. Hope not you get dehydrated that way. You have to drink and drink and drink. You have to drink water. It's the same way of the Spirit. You have to keep drinking of His goodness. Then He says, I want Him to wave His hand over me. You know, He sent out a, he sent out a messenger. I want Him to wave His hand over me and do something special. Naaman wanted a performance, not an encounter. You can, you can want pageantry and you can get your performance, but miss your encounter with God. His success was not only connected to his healing, but also the professionalism in which he was healed. In other words, Naaman had a reputation to maintain, and he wanted his healing to come in a professional manner, not go dip in the river. And he especially didn't want it to come from a servant. He wanted it to come from the prophet himself. How many times do we miss what God's trying to do in our life because we want it to be professional? We want it to be clean and slick, and we want, we want it to have all the right look and the right feel, and it's got to have the right atmosphere. Whatever happened to the tent meetings? <laughs> 
They didn't, they didn't have electricity and they didn't have all the cool lights and the air conditions and the heat, whatever. It, God doesn't need our performance. He doesn't need our professionalism. What he wants is a yielded heart. What he longs for is somebody to say, okay, I'll get out in the middle of the river, even if it's messy, even if it doesn't look cool or doesn't uh, fit the local mentality of everybody as church. You know, well, you know, bless God, if you're, you know, I, I get so irritated. I, I'll say it again. I heard somebody told me, well, if you're Pentecostal in the air, you go to the black church, and if you're Baptist, you go to the white church. What, what silliness is that? What silliness is that? I want to be the multicolored Pentecostal church and see all that God has for us here on Dan Street. I don't, professionalism, God doesn't need our professionalism. This is what John Piper says about professionalism and brothers, we're not professionals. He says, the mentality of the professional is not the mentality of the prophet is not the mentality of the slave of Christ. Professionalism has nothing to do with the essence and the heart of Christian ministry. The more professional we long to be, the more spiritual death we leave in our wake. True. That's not, that's not modern teaching by any, any mean. The more professional we long to be, the more spiritual death we leave in our wake. For there is no professional childlikeness. There's no professional tenderheartedness. There's no professional panting after God. But our first business is to pant after God in prayer. Our business is to weep over our sins. Is there professional weeping? Our business is to strain forward to the holiness of Christ and prize of the upward call of God, to pummel our bodies and subdue them lest we be cast away, to deny ourselves and take up the blood-spattered cross daily. How do you carry a cross professionally? We are to be filled, not with wine, but the Spirit. We are God-besotted lovers of Christ. How can you be drunk with Jesus professionally? <laughs> Yikes. Are there not rivers? He says, are there not rivers in Damascus? I'd rather go to one of them. Here we find Naaman displaying his spiritual arrogance. He personally believes he knows more and has the upper hand in Revelation compared to Elisha. I can go dip in Damascus and I can get the same, same result. He thinks he knows more than the prophet. Washing in the rivers of Damascus may cleanse him from dirt, but not from his leprosy. Only God's river can truly cleanse. We must not treat the precious river of God as commonplace. Only stepping into his river will cleanse you deep within. Then he went away with rage. <laughs> In other words, Naaman became offended with the method and missed the matters of the heart. His skin condition reflected the condition of his heart. He needed to dip in God's perfection to be inwardly transformed and outwardly made new. In other words, Naaman wanted to do it all the certain way, and because it wasn't his way, he got mad and offended because it didn't happen the way he thought it should. That never happens in church. <laughs> Nobody ever gets offended in church. It may be different. It may look different. It may smell different. It may taste different. It may be different. Oh, but it's the river of God. It's his river flowing through. If you will just step out, if you'll just step out, if you'll just like Naaman, just get out and be willing to go under that, that water seven times. And I don't imagine... It was a very clean seven times. It was a Jordan. Jordan's known as the Muddy River. I don't imagine that it was very clean. I don't imagine that it was very professional. You know, him wading out of the river, maybe he had his, you know, valiant warrior clothes on. Who knows? I'm sure it wasn't, I'm sure it wasn't tasteful. But he just went out, took the word of Elisha, got out in the river, and he dipped. Maybe, maybe the leprosy that you're facing in your life, maybe the, the issue that you're dealing with or God is at work on in your life is a reflection of the deep things in your own heart. Naaman's skin issue was reflective of what really was on the deep things of his heart. You can come to church and expect to sit and be comfortable. Never be challenged. Sit on the shoreline, as we talked about earlier, and sit in judgment and miss 
missed out on the presence of God. Oh, the glory of his presence. His presence is so real this morning. If you'll just connect in, if you'll just plug in, if you'll get out into the river, however you want to say it, whatever, whatever word fits your vocabulary, whatever you, just get into his presence. Just wait out into his presence. It's time to launch out into the deep things of God. I don't want to be one of those that are found sitting hard-hearted, judgmental, and missing all that God's doing. I don't want to be one of those that, that, that says, wow, you know, that's a little too much for me. That's a little messy, you know. That prophetic words in service, that's a little much. People falling on the floor, I'm not a little uncomfortable with that. It is. But I want more. It's his presence. I want more. Yeah. I want more of him. And whatever way he decides to manifest himself, whatever way he decides to show up and show off his glory, whatever way, whatever that looks like, I just want him. I just want to get in his presence. You know, this morning as we close, Grace, y'all can come. This morning as we wrap up service, God's challenging each of us, not just myself, not just Pastor Heather. God's challenging each of us to launch out deeper in the things of the Spirit, to launch out deeper into the supernatural ministry, just to trust Him, just to launch out, just to get out in the middle. Just just take Him at His word. Just get out. God, God has placed within you the ability to minister and do incredible things through the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit at work in you. I have a feeling that if if God thought you couldn't do it or He couldn't, in other words, couldn't do it through you, if God had a problem working His supernatural ministry through your life, I don't think you would be sitting here this morning. I think God chose you chose to display his glory through your life and I think he's fairly confident that he can do something supernatural through you because it has very little to do with you and everything to do with him you and I just have to be willing to get out into the middle of the river you and I just have to be willing to step out to the river of the Holy Spirit the power of the Holy Spirit the presence of God Someone told me this week, had a meeting this week with someone that used to come here and left and was in, is in the process of coming back. I was meeting with him and they, they said, you know, in all the history of our church, I've never seen so many people involved in the ministry of the church. And they were just blown away that there were so many interns and leaders and volunteers involved in all the happenings of the church. They said, that's never happened like this. this is, and they were just blown away. And I said, that's what happens when the presence of God shows up. <laughs> that's what happens when you allow God to move. People want to be involved. The Bible says that they will volunteer freely in the day of your power. That's biblical. That's what happens. I don't say that arrogantly or judgmental of the past. It's just reality of what God's doing right now. And we're thankful for it. We are thankful for it. But again, it was a reminder to me, if we will launch out, we were looking, I'll give you a sneak peek. I guess I can give this sneak peek. I'm the pastor. I can give the sneak peek if I want to, I guess. (laughs) We have the business meeting coming up, we were looking at our, we're still finalizing all the reports and stuff, but we are significantly, our finances are significantly, at the end of 2014, over our budget. How does that happen? That's awesome. How, how does that, now, just practically speaking, how does Look at Steve, <laughs> treasurer. How does that happen? <laughs> how, you know, how does that happen when you're in, in debt, pastoral transition, 
bills to pay, new staff, new pastors, staff transitions. At one point, I was looking at our staff, I'm like, numbers just because of our transition, people coming and going and things. It's like, wow, okay, Lord, we need a miracle. And then to end up at the end of the year saying, this is a miracle. (laughs) And then to look at where we're at now for this year, miracle. Again, another miracle. As you begin to launch out, I'm telling you, the provision of God, the blessing of God, the anointing, everything you need, the resources are going to be there. It may not come how you want. It may not look how you want. It may be a little messy. Just dip. Just go for a swim. Just get right in the middle of his presence. Why don't you stand with me? Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for a great day in your house. Lord, how good, how good it is to worship together and be together with family. Lord, how good it is to worship together with our brothers and sisters, our our family. Lord, how great it is to come together in your presence and rejoice in you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to launch, to launch out, to be led forth with the joy of the Lord and the peace of God and help us to launch out into the new things and let down our nets for a great haul, a great catch of fish. Lord, Lord, as we've been hearing this morning, the sound of heaven being released, all these things, Lord, we see that you're doing great things in our midst. And Father, we pray that each of us would be willing and yielded and we'd find ourselves in the middle of the river caught up in the flow of heaven. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so awesome.